Welcome, and my name is Susan, and I am one of the leaders for In the Light Ministries, where we aim to share the Word of God while also providing practical steps to implement and apply Scripture to our daily lives. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Names of God, and today we're talking about Jehovah Nisi, which means God is our banner. But first, I want you to think back to when you were a bit younger. When you were in high school, what was your mascot? I went to Gilderland High School, and we were the Flying Dutchman. Uh, back in upstate New York, there was a huge Dutch influence, uh, which is where we became the Flying Dutchman. Uh, and what is the purpose of these like mascots, these symbols and banners? Well, first, it is an indication of representation and identity. Banners specifically symbolize commitment, allegiance, loyalty, and victory. In fact, centuries ago, during battles, each side would raise a flag. This would not only reflect who they fought under, but would also be a focal point throughout the battle. In the midst of the battle, the flag or the banner remained held high. What I want you to keep in mind tonight is that what is your symbol? What team do you play for? When you step foot out of your home, who do you represent? What flag do you have raised when you are in battle? Well, speaking of battles, tonight we're going to go back and visit our good friends, the Israelites. So last week, remember how, you know, God delivered the Israelites from the Red Sea to then wander in the desert for three days to then encounter bitter water, which they called Mara. And then after the Israelites complained, God had revealed that he was Jehovah Rapha and brought them to this beautiful oasis of clean, sweet water where they were not only physically refreshed, but they were able to just get rest and be rejuvenated. Well, two chapters later in Exodus 17, the Israelites began to complain again because there was no water to drink. In Exodus 17, verse 7, it says, Moses named the place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not? We know that the Israelites were known for complaining, but what, do, what does complaining really mean or what does it indicate? What is it a sign of? Well, while complaining from time to time is completely normal, it is when complaining becomes constant and continuous that it becomes a problem because it reflects the weakening of one's faith. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, meaning that what you carry in your heart, whether it is bitterness and rejection or perhaps compassion and love, it automatically comes out in the words that you speak. The Israelites' complaints revealed that they had doubted if God would show up for them. It revealed their immaturity, their frustration, and anger as they questioned where God was. We see in chapter 17, verse 8, it says, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Well, now let's pause for a second. They were thirsty and wondering where God, and they were wondering where God was, and now they were at war. 
It's also important to note that just weeks and months prior, they were slaves. They were under a pharaoh who was cruel and hateful. They were beaten and treated horribly. And now here they were, and they haven't even made it to their new home. They haven't even made it to the promised land. They are still traveling, and as a matter of minutes, um, they need to go from being a slave to becoming a warrior. There was no prep no boot camp, no training. And that's very much how life is, right? We get blindsided and there's no way to prepare for what is coming our way. Second, who was Amalek? Who were these people that they were fighting that had just all of a sudden attacked them? Well, Amalek was actually a descendant of Esau and the Israelites came from the line of Jacob. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers um, who were also the sons of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Essentially, the Amalekites were distant cousins. They were family. Isn't it funny how sometimes our biggest battles or problems are with those in our own family? That our own family overlooks us like they did with David or with Gideon? Our family may betray us like they did with Joseph's brothers who threw him into a pit? We see this throughout the stories of the Bible. So here we are about to fight this group of men who are not strangers, but relatives. In chapter 17, verse 9, it says, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. They made the decision to fight, and they were determined that their banner for this battle would be the staff. Remember that a banner signifies representation and identity. They knew at that point there was nowhere that they could run or hide. They chose to move forward and under the banner of God. Now it's interesting that they chose the staff as this was no ordinary staff. This was the staff that Moses had in hand when he had encountered God in the burning bush and as he was throwing up arguments to God about how he wasn't qualified or not good enough and scared about what the people would say, God had told him to take the staff and to throw it into the ground where it turned into a snake. This was the same staff that ushered in the plagues and also opened up the Red Sea. We see in Exodus chapter 17, verse 10, is that so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Malachites gained the advantage. This is very symbolic of how we ought to fight our battles, right? Are we holding up the banner of Christ or are we holding up our own agendas? Are we elevating our fears or the promises of God? Are we operating in our own strengths or in God's strength? Notice that the moment the staff, which was a metaphor of God and his authority, was lowered, the enemies began to gain ground and gain it fast. The banner here, or the staff, represents the name of God, his authority, and his covering. See, the banner creates a force field around you, metaphorically speaking. When we say that the Lord is our banner, we are also enacting his covering over us. It's almost like this force field that deflects the arrows and attacks of the enemy. It says in Psalms 91, verses 2, 4, 7, and 9 through 11, It says, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. 
He is my God and I trust him. He will shelter you with his wings. Though a thousand will fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. When we are in him and remain in him, God protects us and keeps us safe during the battle. So does this mean that we're all we need to do is just stay under this force field and just wait? No. In fact, we are to continue to complete our responsibilities in the battle during our challenges and trials of life while also allowing God to move and to do his work. If we read the Bible, attend church, and worship, but do not practically apply God's words to our lives, we give God nothing to work with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. See, God has given us the tools. He's given us the authority and the victory. But how many times do we turn away for one reason or another and not accept God's help? We also need to be careful not to twist God's words into validating our own inactivity. A lot of times we'll hear people say, oh, I'm just waiting on God. Well, there are times that God does ask us not to speak or to wait and to pause. It is usually the case that God is waiting on us to move and to obey what he previously told us to do. Note that Moses was on the mountain raising the banner on behalf of the Israelites, while Joshua and his men were actively fighting the Amalekites. See, there's always this balance between what God does on the mountain and what we are responsible for in the valley and during the battle. They are actually held together in intention. And a lot of times we tend to focus on the things that we can control and ignoring God, Jehovah Saba, who is our warrior. Instead, we need to reshift and reposition ourselves so that we place our focus on him while also completing what God has called us to do. So we have the Israelites fighting the Amalekites. What do the Amalekites represent in the story? Well, first they represent the forces of evil that stand in opposition to God's purposes for us. So it's anything that blocks us or keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. These can be giants or other idols or other strongholds that rise up in our lives because of sin or rebellion in our hearts. What's a stronghold? Anything we place our trust in rather than God. See, it's rooted in evil and can come in many forms. Things like family strife, resentment, attacks on our identity. The battle is both physical and spiritual. Joshua and his men were physically fighting while Moses was engaging in a spiritual battle while up on the mountain. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We see in this particular story both the physical and spiritual battles co-occurring. Spiritual battles are tiring. It says in verses 12 to 13 that Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no hold, longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. 
Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle, and they won. So there was a team effort going on, Moses holding up the staff, Joshua and his men fighting the battle, and then Aaron and Hur providing physical and spiritual support, and then God covering all of it and ensuring the victory. Moses needed Aaron and Hur, and you know what? We need an Aaron and Hur too. So who are the Aaron's and Hur's in your life? Who comes alongside of you when you are tired to lift up your weary arms? Who do you ask? I remember in college, I just um, felt like I did not have a good support system. I was not happy with who I had around me. Uh, I lacked friends who were spiritually on the same page as me, which is when I decided to keep my eyes open. And even now when I encounter an Aaron or her, I hold on to them tightly. So if you find those people in your life, do not let them go. As some of you know, I was going through um, a health challenge uh, back in January, and I, at the worst of it, I was experiencing this intense back pain, and at one point, the back pain was just so intense, I was not able to sleep, I did not eat for two or three days, and I knew that it was not only a physical battle, but it was also a spiritual battle. And so I decided to get my friends on Zoom and to get them to all come together in unity and to pray over me. And I remember some of my family members saying, why are you bothering your friends? Why are you bothering them? This isn't necessary. Um, in fact, some of my family members were embarrassed that I had even asked for help, um, that I even asked them to pray for me. And um, even went out and told one of my other family friends, I should not have done that. And I don't care. Like I needed it, right? I needed the prayer support because I knew that this is just not physical, it is spiritual. And they came together that night and they prayed over me. And as they were praying over me in unity, I felt things just start to break off. And it was the beginning of my healing. So who can you be an Aaron or her to? as well. Who in your life is struggling, hurting, having a rough time? Um, there's others that need your help. They need your prayer support because again, this battle is not only physical, it's spiritual. So what happened after the victory, after the Israelites won? It says in verses 14 to 15 that after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. This is the first time in the Bible that God asked them to write something down. It is to remember who he was and what he has done. Since we can see the Israelites have very poor memory, um, and so do we, this was a really great reminder. And I'm going to ask you today too, have you written down your victories? How do you keep it all in mind, all that God has done for you? Are we like the Israelites that we praise God one moment and then we're quick to forget and then to complain about how God does not show up? I know that I've totally been there and done that. It says in John chapter 3 verses 14 to 15, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. 
John is trying to tell us that our Nisi today is Jesus Christ. That we don't have to physically hold the staff like Moses. Instead, we are to lift up Jesus, allow him to be our banner and our covering, that we are to keep our focus on him. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. So what do we do with all of this? Well, here are next steps to implement this awesome word of God and to um, really attend to Jehovah Nisi, who is our banner. One is to consider what is the condition of your heart? What is the overflow of your words and conversations? Remember that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you praising or are you complaining more? And so with that, I encourage you to dethrone those idols and raise up Jesus, raise up Jehovah Nisi. Or are you someone that suffers from amnesia, forgetting what the Lord has done? I want you to create a jar for 2021. Every time God has answered your prayer, write it down, date it and place it in the jar. When you've lost sight of what God has done and how he has shown up for you, remind yourself of what God has done by opening up that jar and reading those pieces of paper. Or maybe you don't even want a jar, right? Grab a journal and just start to write down the things that God has done for you and how he has answered your prayers. Next is, how do you cultivate the errands and errors in your life? I want you to start praying and asking God to help you identify the errands and errors. And when you come across someone that you think might be an Aaron or a her, ask yourself, do they love God? Do they carry Jesus Christ in their hearts, thoughts and words and actions? Do they reflect Christ? Will they pray for you? Will they come alongside of you and help you fight those battles? And lastly, I want you to be an Aaron and her to others. I encourage you to seek to pray for others. Provide encouragement to those who are weary and struggling. I encourage you to be others-minded. You know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in ourselves and our own problems that we don't see those that are right in front of us and that are bleeding to death. As you become an Aaron and her, you will attract other Aaron's and hers as well. This is also why I'm really grateful for these ITL leaders. Um, ITL eGroup is just made of um, leaders that love God, but also seek to be an Aaron and her to others. And so if you are in need of prayer, I encourage you to um, ask us for prayer. Um, you can go to itlegroup.com and there is a place for you to submit prayer requests and we will reach out to you. We will pray over you, um, you know, over the phone with you and we will encourage you. Um, cause we aim to be errands and errors in the lives of others. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to hearing just the testimonies of, um, how God is using you. Thank you.